In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Amanda Duran. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And if you're just tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit going on in the news brought to you by your two funniest friends, which is us. Happy Wednesday, Caitlin. How are, do you have um, a DNC hangover? Oh, well, fortunately, my giant glass of wine last night was enough to get me through the the two hours of prime time. So I'm... I really enjoyed your live tweeting of the convention. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of people who were like, actually, you know, you're what people need hope and, and people are looking forward to this. Yeah. I, I do not disagree with any of that. I was actually I was actually very touched by the roll call, um, which was like I don't think we should ever go back to the previous version of roll calls, which were terrible. Yeah, but but like yeah, it's so weird because my parents were were delegates in '92. Cool for so New York. Like, I do uh, like paying attention to conventions now. I'm like wow. This is so weird and different. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun, I guess, to live tweet it. As long as there's liquor. I'm not doing that. Mm, sober. Mm-mm. I know. It is, like, wild to think what this would be like. Because, like, I don't know if they would have let us go. I think they probably would have. So we probably would have, like, sent some sort of team. And, um, yeah, I don't think I would have. I, I, I don't know if I could have handled that. That's so much socializing. Yeah. And networking. And, ugh. Yeah, I can't do I, both I, of either of those things. I went in person to the 2012 convention, not mm-hmm. as a delegate. I was just there for for political nerds. That's yeah. like, you know, that's like the thing you get to do. It's like your World Cup. Yeah, I went every yeah. four years. Um, and, uh, and it was like so much fun. There was so much, so much drinking. Yeah. I was not surprised, but a lot of times it's like, okay, events don't start till 10 a.m., because everybody's, everybody's rolling out. <laughs> totally, totally. Ugh. So last night marks the second night of the first ever, ever Zoom DNC. It featured impeccable hosting by Tracy Ellis Ross, the official nomination of Joe Biden, a performance by John Legend, and one menacing plate of calamari. I thoroughly enjoyed watching last night, and I was so surprised. I agree. I thought the roll call was so charming. It was lovely. And you get to see, so, they chose some beautiful locations for some states where I would have never thought that was what it would look like or a territory. I, U.S. Virgin Islands, like, showed up. I was like, oh, my gosh, that, that like, blue suit, it was like a turquoise. I, I know. Was like, okay. I okay. know. Let, let's, let's put in for your statehood, okay, if you're going to show up like that. I know. I haven't felt patriotic, and I actually can't remember the last time. But watch that. Like, I thought, it, in theory, when I was reading before, and I thought it was going to be really like, this land is your land. And it did have that effect. But it also, like, 
what I noticed last night was that I'm pretty sure this I read, and I think this is correct, that there are only two speakers under 50 for this entire convention. But like there was a pretty good range of age diversity. Like in every other part of the convention, there seems to be a lot more age diversity. So I feel like some of the people running this like know, know what's up. Yeah. And the, there was that shared keynote that started um, the the night, which was done by a lot of rising stars. I really like that they highlighted states. I really like that they chose. Obviously, they're going to choose swing states. Obviously, they're going to choose um, a lot of the newer freshmen who have come on board. Connor Lamb was there. Mm-hmm. Um, Stacey Abrams was part of it. I think in a normal year, you give it to Stacey Abrams and you don't think about anything else. Yeah. You know, like everyone would have tuned in to watch Stacey Abrams like thoroughly dismantle Donald Trump and express hope yeah. for the future. Um, I think that Elise tweeted that like they should have just had on the Chiron gov- rightful governor of Georgia when she spoke. I mean, and and like especially when you add that to the reality right now of like what we're going through and the, the, the information that we got about um, the election in 2016. Um, yeah, it feels like there are a lot of people who have had offices taken from them. Speaking of tonight's speaker, yeah, um, <laughs> is, is uh, the person who should be president right now. Yeah, um, but it was it was really beautifully done. I loved the roll call showing people from all over, and you got to see them like in their home states and and show the pride. And you had so many indigenous peoples, which yeah. I really loved. Um, wearing wearing uh, uh, things that just reflected the the wide range of culture that we have in the country, and I thought that that was a really great way of showing Democratic Party diversity in a really like it was really heartwarming. It was yeah. like, oh, I kind of almost love this country. It really, I know, it was so weird. How how was it so charming that it just like overcame? everyone's cynicism like everyone on twitter was like this is delightful i was dreading it i was like it's gonna be 30 minutes of this i would have watched an hour of it yeah yeah we can absolutely do roll call like this every single time going forward oh, yeah. like let's produce it i don't care what it what it takes like let's as long as right. there's no floor vote let's just let's <laughs> hopefully yeah. we'll never have that happen again um by far my favorite was, I think her name's Kazi Watkins from uh, North Carolina. We'll play a clip, but she was just like, I'm going to, I've been doing this a long time. Let me be plain. Black people are the backbone of this party. If we don't vote, you lose. So let's go. And there was this, like, this like, big white guy behind her just nodding the whole time as she was saying it. I've been doing this for a long time. So let me just be plain. Black people, especially black women, are the backbone of this party. And if we don't show up, Democrats don't get elected. I'm putting on my mask and we're going to every corner in North Carolina to help organize because we need to make sure everyone shows up for Joe Biden. He will show up for us. North Carolina cast 39 votes for Bernie Sanders and 83 votes for the next president of the United States, Joe Biden. It was amazing. So great. Yeah. What were some other highlights for you? Um, other highlights. I think that like you kind of have to love Jill Biden. Yeah. So much Dr. Biden just it was so lovely, so warm, so human. Um, you know, she she didn't serve 
and and I would like to point out like she has two dem predecessors um, for the for the first lady position who are very very different um, mm. and have a very different energy than than Jill Biden has and nonetheless she she's a a in the same energy as far as succession goes she will be a first lady who's very involved um you can you can sense that she's not gonna take anything or be quiet and demure and i i really appreciated that tonight everyone was like yeah we're basically last night everyone was like we're just voting for jill biden basically like okay we can do this now because jill (laughs) right i mean the people that are gonna win this election for joe biden are michelle obama jim clyburn yeah. Uh, Jill Biden. Yeah. And yeah, Michelle Obama. Yeah. Again, for sure. We just got to put her there again because I did not get a chance to talk about Michelle Obama's um, incredible. That speech was now's the time. One of the most incredible things I've ever seen. It was. It was. I would argue her most incredible speech at the DNC, despite the fact that she's given three of them, and and she's she's. Or four, I guess she spoke in 2012. Does anyone remember that? That's not that year was not a year. I think that that, that was like the weirdly enough, like the the highlight of 2012 was like the low light of 20 yes um, 2020, uh, which is Bill Clinton speaking. Right. Um, right. <laughs> Obama uh, is continues to be one of the most compelling speakers and representatives of the American American spirit. And I think, like, that just, everybody's, uh, you can't stop talking about it it's two days later. I know. And it was so masterful, especially when, like, obviously Barack Obama, I mean, there are so many people you compare her to, so I don't know why I'm just comparing her to her husband. But I assume she sort of, like, models her style maybe a little bit off his. But you know, like, my favorite thing about watching the Michelle Obama documentary was that we all know about her now is that she's not interested in politics and fighting. She doesn't have political ambitions. She's obviously very charismatic and social, but I don't think she like loves the crowd. I don't think it like feeds her, but in the, in the, in the documentary, you can see times when like Barack does come and you could tell he like loves it. And so the fact that she is able to have this type of performance and like, she's not think she's not doing it because she's thinking maybe in eight years, I'll be favored for some sort of high office. She's doing it because literally she, like she has to, she knows the influence she has. Yeah. I, I saw that. I saw Michelle Obama like way back in 2000 when I, I remember when she first kind of popped onto the national scene and I recognized in her the same thing that I'd recognized in so many of my, in my mom and so many other um, political wives who were just like, nah, Nah, I mean, like, yeah. I'm doing this for you. And, like, that's a lot of love right there. And that's why it was so compelling to me. It's always compelling to me when she steps out and chooses to use her voice, which is so powerful, but also just the way she uses it. She, she very clearly has a very separate political identity from her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They come as a package deal in many ways, but, like, Michelle Obama is very deeply cements um, her own sense of like what she thinks is important in politics and and she clearly votes on her own own side she's, she's not an extension of her husband yeah they are a political unit but like when she does her own thing she's speaking from her perspective and not their perspective um, and I think that that's just it, it's awesome to see the level of empowerment on this side of the aisle that women have been able to gain in politics despite 
the the limitations of like the first lady position right yeah um, yeah for sure yeah. I feel like we know her it's like she's only been Barack Obama's husband for I don't know maybe 30 years but she's been a black woman living in America for her entire life so she has so much to like speak to and talk about that is nothing to do with him and I feel like we're getting to see a lot more of that and yeah don't sleep on her podcast it's great yeah highlighting the week um, I like another highlight I think was AOC's speech, even though people were really frustrated that she only got a minute. And then there was some hysteria last night because people misunderstood why she nominated Bernie Sanders. People thought that was like an intentional slight to undermine. I think even some news outlets that should have known better sort of tweeted something to that effect. Um, this is like somebody had to do it like this how else was it going to happen? And it made perfect sense that she would be the one to do that. Yeah, it was procedural. Um, it's, it's very straightforward. I think it's one of those things where it's like, like, I love people coming to the process. I love people who are new to the process. I love people who are enthusiastic about politics. I'm depressed that it took this. This should yeah. probably not be the reason gun politics, but I understand if it is because like the world's on fire, it's really important to pay attention. And I, I think that's really, yeah. it's good. Like stay here. But at the same time, like a lot of this stuff is just really old and it's, it's procedural. And I understand if mm. people don't like know that, but like people get like panicked about so many things. I think it was frustrating for me that she didn't have an official speaking slot kind of to talk about the, the Dem yes. freshman. Uh, there should be a slot that is about the, the, um, the 2018 blue wave that demonstrates them in 2020 and talks about how important the work in Congress is. And that was a slot for her. That was a slot that could have been done there. So, you know, when we talk about the procedural thing, one of the issues is not just like, oh, she only got one minute, which, you know, is appropriate for a procedural effort and mm -hmm. everything. But that, you know, when they set up the, the convention, they didn't want to talk about Congress as much. They really left all the focus, and, and rightfully, it is Joe Biden's nominating convention, but like, usually there's a slot somewhere in there where we can talk about what Democrats want to do as a party. And it's really kind of been the anti-Trump Joe Biden show. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. 
Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. They've done a good job, I think, of having like young faces and good age diversity, but they, they haven't communicated how that progressed, like how younger people's more progressive agendas, how they plan how that's going to look from like a legislative standpoint. The thing with AOC too is like she, I'm sure she, she knew what that speaking part would mean when she accepted it. Um, but I do feel like, well, of course, if you have AOC, it could have been somebody else that did that for Bernie. I don't even want to say for Bernie because that's that, that played that role that maybe it wouldn't have been descended upon as like, what was she doing? Because she's associated with, like, this left wing of the party. Like, I don't know, maybe you could have had, like, Chuck Schumer do that part. Well, maybe Chuck Schumer wouldn't have done it. Anybody else. And let her talk for five minutes about what you just talked about. Like, it is appropriate. I'm sure people that are uh, very into that coalition, it is a real full circle thing to see that, especially because he was so, I think he was pretty important in maybe her rising profile nationally. I think she probably was going to win her race was going to have success no matter what she like won her primary in a landslide but yeah it's like she didn't they asked her to do this she did it and the next day story is that she like undermined joe biden who she has made an effort to repeatedly say of course i support joe biden yeah and it's it's very much the democrats in disarray thing that they love to do and i'm not going to say the democratic party is in disarray because it's definitely not uh it doesn't it it and this is where we get into like low lights, right? Which yes. is like, you know, there's there's not a concerted effort to reach goals and use resources to reach those goals. So like Bill Clinton was the reason that the speech he gave off the top of his head cuz I can't remember any of in it. 2012 <laughs> was probably the reason that um that he that Barack Obama like that was that was like the nail in the coffin, yeah. I think. And that the forty seven percent one was was pretty bad too. But like I think fundamentally everyone got really excited about beating Mitt Romney the night he pointed out all of those things and he gave that, that stemwinder of a speech on the convention. I was on the convention floor for that. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like there's everything has shifted so dramatically in these eight years about how we talk about our country, about how we think about leadership, about the the fact that the the Clinton years look far more complex and nuanced and unfortunately misguided 
um, with, with the progress that we've made. Um, and of course, Bill personally, who is obviously, I mean, you can make a very good argument. There's a very good argument to be made that he's kind of a piece of shit. Um, and yet he was also an incredibly effective president, which is awful because it just shows that there's not a huge correlation between yeah yeah decent human decency and being good at that job. Um, although I, I appreciate that uh, that Joe Biden is not a terrible person, which is a, a running theme of not of, perfect, but probably not a terrible person. Even empathy, like, yeah. continue thing. Joe Biden will care about a person and look them in their eyes. And <laughs> we're like. Is this where we are now? <laughs> yeah. We're so proud of you being like, cares about humans. <laughs> no, I'm at the point where I'm just like, oh, he loves his family. That's nice. That's rare. And that's, I don't think that Trump loves his family. I don't. Like, of course not. Like after Jill, there was like a cute like off air moment of Joe and Jill Biden. And he just like is like, oh my God, you did so good. I love you. And I just thought it was funny because also the night before we saw like an off-air moment with Bernie Sanders and his wife where she's like, stand up straight. He's like, enough, stop it. But yeah, I'm sure like, I mean, just contrasting that with like Melania swatting Trump's hand away. But I was like worried because Jill, Jill Biden, like she referred to them as a broken family because of the deaths in the family. But I was like, oh no, Melania is going to see that. And she's like, oh, there's something for me here. Trump's know all about broken families. What can I steal from this one? <laughs> Maybe she'll just copy like parts of of like Michelle's again. I think so. <laughs> it happened too. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. Oh, stealing things. That's exactly exactly, <laughs> exactly what they do. That yeah. is like this election, which is what they're they're in progress for. Yeah. Um, but I had my question for you, Caitlin, because you you've tweeted about this a little bit. Is like. I guess this is the first year where I'm really thinking about, like, I, I, I assume the DNC, what it's for, what the convention is for, is to animate Democrats, because it's like, who else is watching? Yeah. Or is the point to get clips that all of the news will cover, or, you know, Fox News will cover in whatever way it does, to hopefully then get at the swing people so they can be exposed? Like, what do you think the goal, what is the goal normally? Is that the goal this time? Um, I mean, it's generally, it's generally like a combination, right? It's por que no los dos. Um, you want to do a little bit of everything. The, normally there's a lot of speeches that start like around, I would say six o'clock, six, seven o'clock is when you're expected to be in the hall and they're doing procedural stuff and blah, 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 blah. And then, uh, you've got the early speakers and you might have like people from across the, you know, you might have. Uh, I listened to one from the the CEO of Costco um, when I was there in 2012. So, you know, normally what you're doing is you're trying to like rile up the team, talk about like, you know, give some slots to people who, you know, are doing the stuff day to day, but maybe don't get a lot of uh, attention. And then when you get into prime time, it's all about getting your people animated you know, having those beautiful visions on, on television of, of an animated convention hall. Now, we don't have that this year. So you really are relying a lot more heavily on the messaging to carry into that news cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something like Michelle Obama um, that, that eats up lots of news time and shows people like Democrats. 
The other thing, though, is that, like, this is usually the only time people are paying attention to politics. That is not true anymore. We are now are basically all on red alert at all times. Um, but it does have the same effect as, like, we want to show who the party is and, and, and show that we have, like, all the space and Joe Biden is not going to forget you is what mm-hmm. is being said to Republicans, white Republicans, white suburban voters, uh, white swing voters, who might say, hey, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to vote for Trump, but I don't know if I can bring myself to vote for Biden. And the party is leaning heavily on saying, yes, you can. You can vote yeah. for Joe Biden. You have to. Yeah. yeah. And I worry really deeply about that. First of all, because it should not be an argument. Yeah. Like, we should not be trying to argue people into this. So you look around and determine whether or not any of this makes sense. And if you are still in the space where you're like, I'm not sure, then maybe you are just not fit to participate in this country. Maybe you should, like, you know, go find a hobby on November 3rd instead of, like, going to vote. Um, Not that I think that people should be suppressed, but, like, are you, if you're you're struggling, like, what what is going on? Yeah. Um, And I just want more attention on Democratic base voters because, you know, People make it sound like Hillary Clinton lost by like a bajillion votes and they really love the idea that she was like horribly beaten by Trump. She lost by 80,000 votes spread across three states. In two of those three states, those those votes were, were because were suppressed out of existence. She lost something like 100,000 votes in Milwaukee. That's not a function of not visiting. That is a function of Scott Walker and the Republican legislature in Wisconsin actively suppressing the vote that would turn out for her. Same thing happened with Rick Snyder in the last of his legacy in 2016 in, in Michigan, with, yeah. where Major uh, Maddow pointed this out, a huge chunk of specifically Black communities no longer had local representation that they had voted for. So, wow. The people who are controlling their local budgets were not elected. So the, you're already having this disintegration of representative government happening in both of those states. And then people are like, oh, well, you know, we need to turn Republicans. You do not need to return, return Republicans. You need to make sure voters can get their votes in. Yeah. And those are just the states that we know of recently. I mean, like I was reading recently about how, I mean, if, if formerly incarcerated people in Florida were always, had always had their voting rights, you would not have, you would never have Ritz Scott. You would not have George W. Bush. You would not have the Iraq war. You would not have Donald Trump. Like the amount of people, I think it's 25% of people in America who can't vote because of a former felony conviction. And when you hear this, it's not somebody who's like, it's, it's, this includes people who have done everything they have served every moment of their like they're done with parole they're done with everything 25 percent of people who have completed all of that in the united states but are still eligible to vote live in florida and that's like by design yes yes and now there's a poll tax effectively on getting your your voting rights back and i think about like these are the structural barriers to voting that don't get a lot of attention and aren't as flashy as having john Kasich talk for like five minutes or whatever. And if you, you really focus on how can people get voting done? 
you know, make, let's make it easier to vote. There are a lot of people who are actually animated right now who would not normally care about politics because yeah. this has been so catastrophic for so many people that this is the way, the only thing that they feel like you have any agency over. And we've got Lucy Joy just destroying the postal service in the middle of a pandemic where we're all deeply relying on mail and, and parcel delivery to survive for those of us who are lucky enough not to have to go outside all the time. Yesterday, Louis DeJoy, I guess he didn't want to be somebody that history remembered as <laughs> suppressing billions of votes and, and letting an authoritarian regime just extend power endlessly. I guess that's not something he wanted on his Wikipedia page. So he said he's going to stop making changes to the Postal Service until after the election. Um, this doesn't really address some of the changes that have already been made. Like, there's no answer for what happens to those sorting machines that sort 35,000 ballots. Uh, there's no answer to if those are coming back. Um, there's still looking at the House, at Carolyn Maloney's law. She's a rep from New York. That base, her bill will basically say you can't, anything that, however things were on January 20th of 2020 is how things need to be in November. So I believe that means it would retroactively apply. Like anything you've removed, you have to get it back. But, you know, I heard, I wasn't really sure what to make of this news. Like I heard reactions like this is still, we've still taken way too many steps in the wrong direction. Um, he's still going to testify. The postal service is still hugely underfunded. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is still pushing to introduce legislation that would include 25 billion for USPS. Um, and again, DeJoy is going to, he's going to testify before the Senate on Friday and the House on Monday. I'm curious to see, I mean, things still need to change and there are still issues, but yeah, what do we make of his announcement yesterday versus how, how does this make our election safer and more reliable? Yeah, so the, the big issue is that elections kind of have to be, elections are usually prepped up to eight months to a year ahead of time. Right, you're trying to make sure the infrastructure is there because it's a massive undertaking. Um, it's done at the state level. Yeah. So overwhelmingly states are making their own rules about how much they're gonna be able to do. And then there's coordination with the post office from multiple levels, right? All the way through to local to make sure that um, everything can handle the amount of volume that they're going to get. Now, because of the pandemic, we're, uh, you've seen a lot of states start to implement vote by mail um, in order to try to get around the reality that like it's not safe for people to necessarily congregate on mass at polling places like normal um, and we can't necessarily accommodate social distancing at every polling place so you want to make sure um, New York has early voting for example so they're going to try to I'm sure push that a lot harder so that way people uh, vote in drips and drabs across the week ahead um, you're going to see a, a lot of people, like, they're, they're trying to mobilize it now. The damage that's been done to the Postal Service, can we fix it in enough time to keep that problem from running into November 3rd? And the answer is, I don't know. And the thing is, there's also a lot of things that he can continue to drag his feet on, to not fix. Um, I think one of the big issues is, like, looking through the, the experience of living under Trump, is how few tools there are once you have given executive power to someone like this. There's not a ton. People are like, do this, impeach him, blah, blah. It's like, these things only matter insofar as Republicans right. will co-sign them because we do not have enough control over government. 
And without those levers, even if we did have those levers, it could very easily be treated as partisan, you know? Mm -hmm. So you've got to be careful with these things because it's not as simple as, oh, you know, we're good on the election, therefore, you know, uh, we stopped him. It's like, well, these, they're running effects. Then the time it takes to put everything back into place is also lost time, you know? And even then, you know, they're going to be running behind because we've had so many catastrophic delays on smaller, easier things. People are not getting prescriptions on time. They're not getting checks, bills. I've been asking myself, like, when are we going to start hearing about people dying because of this? Like, surely that has happened, even if that cause of death was not, like, surely that has happened. Yeah. Most veterans get their medicine through the mail. Yep. Yeah, I mean, but now it's even, it's like, what, you're surprised he kills people? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's been killing people. If you think about the death toll, I I just keep remembering Maria, Hurricane Maria, and what happened in Puerto Rico, and the complete lack of regard to what had happened, and the immediate impulse to grift money off of, you know, the entire endeavor. And I think about it, and I think, you know, this is this is building up to something like this where we ran into a, a, a catastrophe that, that he just doesn't care as long as it's not affecting the right people. And he's doing this thing right now where, like, we still have issues with Russian interference based off of what we know from uh, 2016. Um, we still have issues around uh, the logistics of voting. We still have issues around turnout and being able to get people over the voter suppression hurdles when you just because leadership changes or you stop you know it's like uh the saying like why do you you stop uh why do you hit yourself in the head with a hammer because it feels so good when they stop Mm -hmm. like when you just because you stop doesn't mean the damage previous damage isn't there you have to repair that and i want to see democrats be take more initiative talking about who we need to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think this year people are more people are realizing that for most of this country or a lot of the country voting has always been an effort that takes many steps and is not just like you show up and it's good and you drive 10 minutes away. And maybe that's good in the future for sort of like, it's hard. It's like, you don't want to reframe voting as something that is challenging and does take effort. But I did appreciate how Michelle Obama and her speech sort of did that and was like, you got to commit to being part of this. And like we say a lot, it's a fight, but it's like, no, really, you have to like suit up and wait in line. Um, I appreciate that she said that because I struggle with the balance of like, just vote. It's easy. It's nothing. You have to with like, it might be, you might take some effort this year and you have to do it, but like, here's how. Absolutely. And I think about it like voting is, is like an adult chore. It's not, it's not exciting. I wish I could say, like, this is going to be exciting every time. Actually, if, if you're doing it right, it should be very boring. It should be yeah. like, oh, here's good choice number one, and here's, like, other good choice number two. Hmm, which person do I believe more in and think is more competent for this job? Huh, I'll, I'll evaluate. Hmm, right. give me, like, two, three weeks. Okay, I've seen their relative campaigns. I've checked on how they interact with people. I've watched their, their efforts, and I think... Choice A is the one I want to go with. That should be, it should be like that boring. It should be like ordering off of a menu in theory, but like, it's still like a a chore in the sense of like, just like you don't want to change your oil all the time. Like some of us don't want to get into our cars and change your oil. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't change your oil. You should do that. Right. Like just because you don't like, like... 
Mediterranean food doesn't mean you go to a restaurant and you starve and then also kill 170,000 people. Wait, <laughs> you, you want it? You want it? <laughs> just, just, just get a fucking meza plate and call it a day. It's not that bad. Uh, all right. We can do it. 80 days, 80 something days, and then maybe we'll have something else to talk about. <laughs> maybe we'll have a democracy again. Maybe. Oh my God. Okay, so that's perfect. Until the return of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman, artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to SUP at Betches.com. Betches.